Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Okay, well, welcome back, everybody. We are back here at Bitcoin Roundtable. This is episode 24. I am here with Darren and Libby. Hello, everybody. We have really enjoyed the guests that we have had on the last couple of weeks, and we didn't bring a guest on this week because we wanted to keep it a little light, discuss a little Bitcoin, um, return some questions from some of our social media followers, as well as chat about some things that are interesting to us that we haven't had a chance to over the last few weeks. Or have we just run out of guests? <laughs> no. In fact, we haven't run out of guests. Our producer tells us we have a lot of guests lined up. Yeah, I know. Let me see. Well, if any of you are following us on social media, you will have noticed that I got a tattoo. And it's beautiful. It's, uh, yeah, it's very nice. I got it done here in Collingwood, and I'll drop the name. It was at Steel Inc. And I think Ian did a really good job. So if you're looking for a uh, tattoo and you're in the Collingwood area, definitely head over to Steel Inc. You know, talk to Ian. His nickname is Chops. And walk in and have a chat. Really knows what he's talking about as far as tattoo goes. He did a bang-up job. Um, As they say in some tattoo lingo, I really like the lines and the color is good. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I'm surprised it didn't cost more than... I don't really know a lot about tattoos, but... I definitely agree. Sorry, Libby. How much did you pay? I guess it's no secret. Uh, It cost me $260. $65 and that's leaving him a $25 tip. Okay. Now, just to be clear, that's a temporary tattoo, right? No. <laughs> it is ink forever. Temporary tattoo. Yeah. Getting a tattoo is a very interesting process. So, so pain level. One to ten. Ten, your face goes white and you pass out from the pain. What, Labor. What, what, what's the level of pain that you encountered? And was it more or less than what you expected? Honestly, it was a little bit more than what I expected. Yeah. I would say if I had to pick a level, I, I would... Like a six, maybe? Oh, yeah. Fairly high. Well, it's yeah, it's some parts. See, I, I got it on the back of my calf, so as it started getting up towards the back of the knee, that started getting painful. <laughs> there were a couple of areas around the leg. It, it was funny because at one point, I honestly thought that he was lifting up my skin. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting experience to go through. I was talking to him because I was sitting in two hours and he was telling me that, uh, you know, different people go through different aspects of pain as far as tattoos go. Yeah. A lot of people can only do them two or three different sittings because they just can't take it. Right. I actually found that when I was going through the pain, I'd rather it continued than take a break. I've also heard like some people, they achieve some type of nirvana because the the pain levels and it becomes an overall unusual but really good experience for them. It is really nice if you can talk to somebody. Yeah. It just takes your mind off it. Uh, Meditation is supposed to help while you're having it done. Right. Mm. I really just chose to sit there and, and squeeze my arm and, you know, just put up with the pain. There was a point where I actually considered maybe I'd come back and finish it. Yeah. And then I found out he had had the outline done and he was starting to do the coloring in and I'm like, okay. All right. Was the coloring in the more painful part or was it noticeable that was there any difference? 
no real difference. Mm-hmm. From what he was telling me, they use two different kind of needles. They use the needle to do the outline. Yeah. And then a needle, which I think they call a filler needle. Now, that's about all I know about tattooing. Really, really happy with it. Yeah, it came yeah, out exactly good. like I wanted it to. So. Yeah, it looks yeah. awesome. The pain instantly goes away when they're done poking you. It's funny. I was talking to my wife there, and we were relating it to, of course, you know, childbirth, right? And yeah. Women say they will go and get pregnant again because you forget about the pain when it's over with. You do, it's very strange. You do. Yeah. Now, to be clear. Clear. Yes. This, this tattoo was to cover up your previous pink pony tattoo. Yes. Yes. I had to get rid. Of, I had to get rid of the My Little Pony tattoo. Oh, Darren. Just kidding. See, I have a joke. I don't see you with a tattoo. No, I know. I know. I have to get one. The gauntlet has been dropped, eh? Yeah. Get in there. I, I really would like you to experience the pain. Oh, I'll probably get like two percent done, and I'll run away. I've been through labor, so I've I I'm done. You're done, okay. Going back to pain, when I was in labour, which was um, much worse than I ever anticipated, sorry folks, I used a TENS machine, which I don't know if anyone knows what that is, but it sends an electronic pulse into your body to distract you from from the labour pain. Like, I was dependent on that TENS machine, in much the same way that you were grasping your arm. It's really interesting, that deferred pain, and how that is really effective. And I found it hurt the most when I thought about what he was doing. As soon as I stopped, thought about anything happy I could think about, yeah. it helped a little bit. But it's still a good pain. It's Was it scratchy? Did it feel like someone was scratching you? Yeah, it, it felt like someone was picking up my skin. Anybody who go on social media can see I got what they call a form of the Scottish Rampant Lion. And there's a lot of different aspects to it, but I could never really tell on my leg where he was because the whole area was on fire and kind of funky, except for when he got up near the top where the head was near my knee. Yeah. And then that's when I saw sort of went oh shit like that was painful yeah yeah other than that i uh i do it again so what's the most <laughs> sensitive part of the body yeah, yeah anywhere on Head. the bone i've heard the most sensitive part is the genitals oh right. the genitals yeah. oh my goodness yeah. Oh. um yeah around the ankle yeah. which it was really yeah. common in the 90s right to get that little bracelet thingy apparently it's excruciatingly bad right. i don't know why that would be more painful i guess it's well, there's no fatty tissue banging right yeah. on the bone isn't it and there's probably no yeah on the bone. well uh, Ian, who did mine, he had a tattoo going up his head. Yeah. Yeah, he said that was pretty painful. He said as soon as it got up towards the back of his scalp, he said that was probably the most pain he's felt. But it was funny. He said he totally went into that expecting to be puking and passing out. Really? Which is an interesting way to describe it when you go into a tattoo expecting to be passing out. I believe he told me he has like 100, 200 tattoos. Right. So he wow. had, he's, he'd been through it. He's experienced. But, yeah. What's what's his company called? I'm going to try and... Uh, they're catch. called Steel Inc. They, I believe they're a chain or... I know they at least have two or three other outlets around the area. But they're on First Street in Collingwood, right? Yeah. yeah. Got him. <laughs> Everything I've read, you know, you went on Reddit, you'd be happy, Darren. And everything I read on there basically said that if it's your first tattoo, you really want to go in sober. Don't mess around, yeah. Yeah, you really want to go in sober. Now, the second tattoo, because you know what the pain is and you're expecting it, you know, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah choose your poison. He does say an awful lot of people like to smoke a joint because it calms them down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I went in completely sober and I just took the pain yeah. <laughs> right on. which worked out well 
True Canadian right there. There you go. Ah, speaking of true Canadians, uh, this will probably air right around Canada Day. Will it? Yeah, well, or close to it. That's next week. Oh, yeah, it is. That's, That's next week. on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday or Monday. Well, happy Tim Hortons Day, everybody. Oh, I mean, uh, Canada Day. Yeah, Tim Hortons isn't Canadian anymore, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. They certainly Touché. market themselves. <laughs> they they, they, they want to be, but they're not. I still like their lattes, but I'm from England, so I can't really comment, can I? An interesting little story that I read on Garth's blog, Greater Fool. It was a fellow that emigrated from England six or eight months ago. Oh, he's got himself a job, whatever, he's in Vancouver. You know, they're going to buy a a townhouse. He shopped around for quite a while and noticed some of the prices were coming down a bit. So, uh, found a townhouse he liked. I think uh, he's got a small family or something. The upper end of his amount, like, that he can afford, right? And I think it was about 400 thousand so uh yeah he talked to the realtor they put in an offer and everything's accepted it's all good um, everything's go he signed on the dotted line and then uh about the third lawyer down the line called him up and asked him well, when's he gonna pay the 20 percent tax no one told him about this before but the ndp in british columbia if you're a foreigner and you're buying a house in bc you have to pay an extra 20 percent yeah. And he's caught in that. Oh my goodness. And he can't afford it. He literally cannot afford to pay the money. So he signed a contract and now they can't close. So now they trying to force him to find the money somewhere or borrow it or? He's already borrowing for the mortgage. That's an extra $80,000. Oh, sorry. Where did you say he was from? England. England, England yeah. Foreign tax, yeah. Well, but he's living and working in Canada now. Well, uh, yeah, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of people who are in that boat, unfortunately. But that tax had to go in and they had to do something to that market. Really? You think so? Well, but it's the same as what's happening in London, right? All these Russian billionaires are buying up basically all of zone one and zone two in London and they're leaving these flats uninhabited. I don't have a problem with anybody anywhere buying anything but I understand that's exactly what happened in Vancouver. That's not actually true. Well okay why isn't it true? Because they looked at the percentage of foreign ownership foreign buyers and it's under five percent. It's all BC it's all people that live there they're just we're speculating and buying two and three houses and everyone will say I'm wrong and they're refuted but when you start adding tax to foreign buyers, you know, if you ever move countries, you know, what if they pull that on you? Yeah. Well, you think everything's great. Maybe you move to Spain, you don't know the language very well. Everything yeah. seems on the up and up. And all of a sudden, after you sign the contract, they're like, oh, you owe us 100,000 euros because you're not Spanish. Sure. It's, yes. I do see a bit of an issue with it, though. It, I'm not for it at all. I think it's just that protectionism just leads to a downward spiral. So you Why? think if you have the money, you can buy the world? But you're not going to buy the whole I world. Mean, so Vancouver prices went bananas and now they're coming back down. And they're going to keep coming down. Talk about inhospitable. Even Alberta, like people who lived in Alberta that had vacation homes in BC. All of a sudden they're on the hook for an empty homes tax. I read something there on the news a week ago. They interviewed a couple of people who bought their homes 25 and 30 years ago in Vancouver. And they're running into the big problem where they are considered millionaires because... Yeah, they have a house that's $4 million, but they bought it 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and they're almost getting forced out because they're house poor. Well, they're getting the high-end home tax, too. Like, the amount of taxes, it just, I don't know. Like When you start playing that game, like, oh, yeah, tax these people because they're not Canadian, yet they own Canadian property, or 
or they have a lot of money because they have this house that's worth a huge amount of money so tax them more it's the same game right you start pointing your fingers at people and then eventually that finger is going to start pointing at you right and then there's no one left to defend you it's just a huge increased tax burden Hmm. and there's no real winners has it brought the the values of houses down they they say it has a little bit 13 percent 12 percent i don't know probably a lot of realtors even buying up multiple properties speculating right i mean it was a huge game sure and your gains were tax-free. Now the gig's up. I just see a long slide down, but I've been wrong more times than I'm right, so who knows. And they could very well be wrong with their decisions, too. They just felt that they had to do something, and this was the best thing they could come up with. See, my feeling is it was a political tool that was used to, to get keep people power. happy. Well, if I'm running for politics, I'm going to tell people what they want to hear. Sure. Attack the rich foreigners. That are preventing you from being able to buy a home within an hour drive of Vancouver. Gets votes. So they did. Yeah. Kind of shameful to me. Life's difficult enough, so you're right. Yeah. Moving to another country. You know, who cares if rich people are buying up certain properties? Like, at the end of the day, you have to afford everyone the equal rights and freedoms. If you're going to allow people access to your country, (laughs) why are you charging them more? All of a sudden it becomes retaliatory and a a tool to, to create a class war. So all of a sudden you have different classes angry at each other, fighting each other, and then the real winner is a politician because they'll use that class division to get in power and then impose their probably corrupt rule. It's an easy way for a corrupt party to gain power, is to start using class wars as the tool to gain power. Yes, play people off each other. What would be better? I said to you, you know, you can't have entire neighborhoods and subdivisions sitting empty, and you didn't really seem to have a bit of an issue with that. No. Well... Their homes, they but, bought it. They're paying tax on it. At the end of the day, it's like what well, was Aga Beach, right? It's half empty in the winter, which is where we're broadcasting from, by the way. Yes. Huge place in the summer, but there's a lot of cottages up here. So what? You know, no lines at the grocery store. It's, like, it's great. <laughs> I do actually like that a lot. When you buy a house, obviously you do your due diligence, and if you don't want to be in a place that has a lot of empty condos, then don't move there. Ten years later. It'll probably change again. The, the rampant exponential increases in price that Vancouver has experienced over the past decade. Right? And Toronto as well, yeah. Like, that's what it creates. Because everybody with access to easy, cheap credit is going to start buying two, three, four houses. Or big money's going to start coming in too, and that's also going to drive the prices up. Uh, big money's everywhere. Silicon Valley, right? Like, why don't you move to Silicon Valley, buy a house there? I don't think I could afford it. Yeah, it's the same thing. If there's certain areas of the world that are currently or temporarily unaffordable. And they change all the time. Maybe except a couple of places like London and New York. Maybe they should be like that. Well, they're like that for a reason, right? Vancouver, to me, is not quite justifiable, but maybe it has qualities there that uh, others appreciate more than I. But to me, a lot of the unaffordability is really just from speculators. Right. Eventually, it'll die down and everyone will be able to move in. Taxing foreign buyers, taxing the rich. To me, it's an easy way to start making more money, like filling your money, your government coffers. And then eventually, where do you stop, right? Then you start taxing other people. And what happens, right? All the rich leave. 
And then you have a different set of problems. Well, you got no money coming in. Yeah. Because everyone's like, well, screw this. I'll just go somewhere else where they're not going to tax me an extra 20% because I'm from England. Because of some of the stories regarding these large Asian multi-millionaires that were coming in and buying three and four properties and letting them sit. The interesting thing is most of the comments online I've heard from people are like, well, they're obviously Asian and it's, it's not 1960. You know, it's 2018 at this point. Right. And there is a lot of Canadian citizens that are of, uh, you know, to some degree of an Asian uh, heritage. Sure. Right? Tons. And in Vancouver and even in Banff, Alberta, there's a lot of, I, I don't know how else to say it other than Asian Canadians, but like Canadians that are of Asian descent. And people are th- assuming they're all from China, non-Canadians. That's where the bias comes out too, right? You're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble judging foreigners based on how they look. That person's not Caucasian, therefore they're not Canadian. Right. Asian bias, Asian bias. Let's slam the post for that. Let's slam the papers. They're trying to manipulate what people are thinking all the time. Everybody always wants to find an enemy when things don't go their way. Okay, so you can't buy a $1.3 million townhouse in Vancouver. Boo-hoo. Oh, well, it must be the the age. (laughs) Like, I don't buy it. And people are very vehement about it. I'm not trying to make little of the issues you're encountering out there, which are very serious, right? Like, families literally, you know, they... They have to leave their job and move elsewhere in BC because they can't afford to live in the area within which they have their job. I'm I'm very cognizant of the the pain and troubles that it causes. Oh, I am too. Yet, this foreign buyer thing is by and far largely a paper tiger or a white elephant. What's the better analogy? Paper tiger. And anyways, the market sounds like it's starting to come around again. I think a lot of people with significant money are kind of pissed off and probably have left the area. And there are many businesses that were were Canadian are leaving because that same type of socialist agenda is kind of infecting all of Canada to some degree. Maybe not as much as in BC, but it'd be interesting to see what happens with the whole trade war too. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting is the word for it. But. Who did I read? God, I wish I could remember who it was who quoted it. was saying that Donald Trump is the greatest U.S. president ever. Maybe, you know, like everyone has their own opinion. The flip side of it is with the auto tariff issue is I think somebody was saying it's going to cost the U.S. buyers another an extra $48 billion a year or something like that in uh, increased prices for cars. I don't know. There's give and take. I'm not quite so sure that Canada would be on the losing end of a trade war. From what I've read, it seems fairly balanced in that the U.S. would experience similar losses maybe sure. in different areas. You know, I don't know. It's uh, hard to say. China, I think, would suffer more than the U.S. as China is basically a manufacturing country that ships their goods to the U.S. and U.S. are by the majority buyers. I think a lot of Trump's acrimony may be centered around the fact that um, a lot of U.S. companies or non-Chinese companies are experiencing a lot of roadblocks and difficulties in establishing sales within China. 
Right. So China sells their goods outside of China, but another company wants to sell their goods in China. It's kind of a different story. Mm. These goods coming out of China are going to start going up in price. Well, that's the point, right? Didn't you bring up the uh, the whole uh, iPhone thing? Yeah. You know, the price of iPhones went up. So 30 bucks a phone, 40 bucks a phone? Well, I think iPhones are a thousand bucks a phone right now. I think the new fandangled one is like yeah. $1,500. Which is kind of interesting, right? Because... Made in the U.S. Are you happy? <laughs> five years ago, what were they? Four or five hundred bucks? Three hundred? I don't know. But you know, the price of phones aren't going down, which is interesting because are they more functional? Maybe they have better sound or nicer screen. They have more functions. They're not more functionable. Well, iPhones already been caught slowing down their older phones. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know. Right. Oh, yeah. They did something to the battery, didn't they? A new update or something. Yeah. And they make your old phones not work as well. And you get yeah. frustrated, and so you spend the money. How disgusting is that, eh? Oh, it's absolutely abhorrent. <laughs> the the yeah. people that are out there spending $1,500 on a cell phone. Yeah. I just don't see it. Maybe I don't do enough on my phone that I really don't know. Does it do something better? I'm not sure. No, I mean, what could it do? And the same apps. Yeah. You can still talk on the phone. Like, I guess it just doesn't look as nice. I don't know. This is an okay-looking phone. I think I spent $270. It's, uh, it's an LG. It's everything I needed to do. It looks nice. So where's Bitcoin at this week? Oh, it's running around 6,100 or okay, something. Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Six one change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Good time to buy? Is that what they it's say? still a good time to buy. No, I, I'm going to say something different. Oh. Well, I think the potential for further downs is significant, as is the potential for the further ups. But <laughs> Also, I'm not going to tell everybody to, to jump in. Yeah. If you're looking for a bottom to jump in, most people never find the bottom. You wind up getting hosed. Right. So. Okay. I would say if you have spare money, you're not going to mortgage the house on it or just money you're willing to lose. Start dollar cost averaging, maybe buy a little bit of Bitcoin every week or every month sure. or every two months. I think it's going to be a long, drawn out period before you start to see some significant ups again. I mean, who knows? I've heard all kinds of stories about price up and down and someone's telling me that $2,000 was still overpriced. So... I don't know. Where it's so you're go. still thinking we're going to see it go down from 61? Personally, fairly I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm 50-50. I just don't know. No, I read something a little while ago that we're still in a correction phase, and they pointed out that we're actually not in a bear market. To be in a bear market, you have to be past the correction, and he's pointing into like two, 3000 Okay. Example, which is half of what it is now. So yes. I don't know. It might happen. But what I would say is if, if oh. you're still interested in investing in Bitcoin, is it a good time to sell? I don't think so, but do your own research. Well, I think but, it's a bad time to sell if you're talking about the long run. But if you're going to buy into Bitcoin, I would say just dollar cost average. Buy a little bit. That's good advice. Like you said, right? Buy a little bit every month. Well, that's what I do. I buy a couple hundred yeah. every month, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And then whatever, right? So if it keeps going down, it's just yeah. a better deal. Um, obviously, I believe it will eventually go up. Although, as I've said before, there's a non-zero <laughs> chance that it goes to zero. So, you know, True enough. So we just discovered that Libby... <laughs> has a couple things to say about England and the World Cup. Well, I'm English. 
finished. I've been through the ringer. And I don't even watch soccer. I only watch it when it gets exciting at the end. I did follow Italia 90 really passionately. Yes. But I was a teenager and it was really exciting. I think they got to the quarterfinals then. Or maybe even the semis. Wow, so you're from England and you don't even know this? I preface this by saying that I don't... No, but I don't watch it. I've never had... I've no interest in watching football every Saturday. (laughs) Well, well, besides the Premier League, we really don't get a whole lot televised over here. Right, well, it's televised everywhere. In England, you would... Well, yes. One person predicted it would come down to England-Brazil final. That means I have to start watching the World Cup things and I don't have time. Well, you don't have time yet. You're not even they're not even down to the round of sixteen yet, so I really don't even start watching it until they get into the round of eight. It does get incredibly exciting because England are not known for doing particularly well. If they do start to do well, the whole country, and I literally mean the whole country, becomes obsessed by it. Yeah. And actually my parents have just come back from holiday and they said that they were in a very mountainous region with no internet or TV and they've just come back to the World Cup. That's what they said. We just come back to the World Cup. Like uh, it's everywhere. You just cannot escape it. Yeah. It's everywhere. Well, I heard there was a big beer issue worldwide in the World Cup. There's a CO2 problem. CO2 problem. CO2 problem. Oh, what do you mean? Well, exactly what it is. There is a problem with the supply of CO2 around the world. A lot of people uh, for beer. Because beer consumption goes up tenfold during the World Cup. And they don't have the CO2 to pump the beer. (laughs) You know, will it run out? I don't really know. It it made the news. They talked about it. I think the beer consumption in England is fairly consistent. I can't believe that. The beer consumption worldwide is incredible during the World Cup. Oh, it's cool. So you're going to Scotland. When are you going to Scotland? Is the World Cup still going to be on? No. Which is a shame because that would be really fun. It'd be a shame getting to Scotland and there's no beer. <laughs> gonna be There'll be beer. Don't uh, you yeah. worry, Vince. I They'll find beer, some but... CO2 somewhere. They bring out the scotch or something, right? But I tell you, it is exciting. Like, everyone goes to the pubs. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people go to the pubs. And all the pubs screen the matches. Yeah. The England games. And the other games. But the England games, it's like amazing atmosphere right. any pub because everybody's into it too right yeah. you get caught up in it and even if you're not into it you get caught into it like yeah. some of my best friends who've are devoted football fans get really annoyed by people like me that come in at like the quarterfinals going oh like, oh, you're allowed to come in and have an opinion whenever you want. Apparently, the, the final is July 15th. Two weeks. It's, an, it's a while still. Because I'm planning on going to Scotland on the 17th. So you are going to So miss I it. will miss it, of course. But Does Scotland have a team? They do, they do but they didn't, they, did, they didn't qualify. No. They have qualified, I think. Yeah, they? yeah I believe they have for the past for the um, World Cup. Yeah. Well, it was interesting that Argentina got in because Lionel Messi plays for Argentina. And I was talking to you earlier about the rivalry going on between uh, Messi and Ronaldo. And they are clearly the two best football players that arguably have ever played, but currently easily the best that are playing right now. And they're trying to determine who is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And right now it's Ronaldo that's winning that. I'm not exactly sure why. Like a score system, assists, or something. Sure, and you know more championships. There's a lot of different factors. You know, either way, they're they're phenomenal football players, putting on a show for everybody and being paid very well for it. Oh yeah, I know that. Up there with LeBron James and 
Who's on Brady? Giselle's worth more than Brady. Yeah, they say Giselle brings in about fifty million, and Tom brings in somewhere in around thirty. So like the, the ends are meeting. Yeah, they're doing okay. <laughs> they're doing okay. So they can buy a house in Vancouver. Yeah, they, and they can pay the twenty percent extra too. <laughs> okay. You know, I will follow the World Cup. I I do enjoy watching the soccer match from time to time. I I can yeah. sit through one. I get it. I play you know semi competitive soccer, so I do understand it. You know, they call it the beautiful game. They sure do. I just wish they would really do something about the fouls. It's almost like Hollywood out there. Yeah, I know. Well, they said the same thing 20 yeah. years ago, but it's still there. And the referee just can't see everything. Yeah. But I was watching a game there on the weekend, and it was a um, an indirect free kick because it was outside of the box. And if you know anything about soccer, there's different reasons for having your indirect and your direct free kicks. The real premise behind it is that if it's within the box, it's a direct free kick, meaning it doesn't have to be touched before it's struck. And an indirect free kick outside the box means I must touch it before you can kick it into the net. So there was a, a call where, what was the game? Anyway, it doesn't really matter the teams I was watching, but somebody got hauled down just outside the box. Or you thought. Put it on slow motion replay. He wasn't even touched. Yeah. Like it wasn't like he was bumped lightly. He wasn't even touched and he just went and fell down. And and that's the part I don't like. I get why they're doing it. There is such an advantage to to getting possession of the ball in soccer. You know, it's more important than hockey. They come down to one goal. One goal. Yeah. And that one goal could mean that one possession. And that one possession could mean you faking an injury in order to get it. To be honest, I thought the referees were talking to the cameras. Are they not? Can the cameras not give them feedback on these ridiculous fouls? They did introduce a replay aspect to the World Cup this year. Yeah, very, very limited use. Well, there was that awful story, wasn't there, a few years ago, and it was a Russian team, I'm sure, and the goalie let a goal in, and then he was murdered. Yeah. Was it Russian? No, that was a South American country, I believe. South America, somewhere, yeah. Well, there, there's so, death threats that happened all the time, yeah, right? Yeah, even even in this killed. World Cup, well, the well, games are huge. I know. People lose their minds. Like, if you have very little in life, and that's large part of the population of the world, they subsist. They're they very they passionate. They have a lot. If there's something that they can believe in, and football is the case for many, then it becomes everything to them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a passion beyond anything I can understand. I, I follow sports. I like all sports. I have my favorite teams. I have my favorite sports players. But I can honestly say I've never lost sleep when my team hasn't won the Super Bowl. The passion is incredible over there. Yeah. Well, what do they say? Like, the sports is the new religion. That's they are serious. gods. Yeah. I guess it goes hand in hand. You know? But what I haven't heard a lot about is... Russia and how they're doing with putting on the cup, which sort of tells me they're doing an okay job. They must be. Mm. Yeah, very football-centric. The Olympics wasn't that long ago either, was it? And that all went fine. Yeah. Was it Sochi? Yeah. The only real bad thing I heard about Sochi was... A lot of people that arrived there, when they were getting off the plane, they basically all got their phones compromised. Because they couldn't access the data? Well, they get hacked, right? I think it's a lot easier to be a hacker in Russia. Right, No one's out to really get you. You can pretty much do what you want within reason, as long as you don't piss off the wrong people, I guess. I think people 
that went to Sochi with their phones learned to get new phones yeah get new phones or be careful or just turn them off when they're not using them so who do you like Libby who do you like to win the whole thing oh do I, I honestly I, I well, you're gonna, are you not going to take England oh, no they never win Vince oh, I don't know anything about the teams who are you rooting for England of I course right England. sure alright yeah <laughs> Do you have a prediction, Darren? Put you on the spot here. <laughs> oh, no, I have no prediction. It generally seems that most of the times, the, you know, the World Cup was won by teams that have a huge following and take it extremely serious. South American countries, African countries, uh, Nigeria apparently is doing quite well. Do you know who's won the most World Cups? Oh, here we go. Um, it's a really good trivia question. Germany. That was my guess. Yes. I'll say Brazil. Yes. Is, am I right? Yes. Yay, there you go. Yes. They, they won a lot in the, the early days. 50, 60, yeah, 70s. Yeah, yeah. Pele. They really dominated. No, France won in 96. I was working in France when they won, and that's oh, why I go. know. I was on the Champs Elysees when they won. It was, very, it was crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brazil has won five. Germany Italy. and Italy have four titles. Argentina and uh, Uruguay have a couple of titles. Oh, England's only won it once, right? In 60-something. England. France and Spain with one title each. Oh, really? France have anyone at once? Okay. Yeah. We figured it's every four years, right? Aside from the Olympics, what other event is there? That it's so like the Olympics. Apart? It's very exciting. Oh, it changes everything. Like, bars are allowed to serve alcohol. They're open for breakfast in Canada. Bars oh, are we allowed to sell alcohol? Not for breakfast. Oh, right. Some of them got special rights to open up early. Just a bunch of corrupt assholes around the World Cup or they get a clean house on all of them. Do you remember that, uh... That what's his name? That Seth Bladder guy is that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. pronounce his name wrong, and I apologize, Seth. But apparently, he went to the World Cup as a strict fan. But everybody was making a big deal because he used to run FIFA, right? And yeah. got booted out. But no, I haven't heard anything really negative at all about what's happening. It's all been about the play. Interesting. Yeah, which is great coming out of uh, Russia. That was all blown open by an Irish reporter. Quite phenomenal at the time. Well, it, it was the last World Cup, right? Which was four years ago, so. Oh, was it? You know, I watched the little show. It was actually showing the FIFA meeting. Yeah. With the reporters in this, I can't remember his name, the Irish reporter that caused so much pain for that. But the guy was just a bulldog. Everyone else is sitting down, blah, 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 blah. He puts up his hand and just starts asking the, it was amazing to watch. Like David Goliath. That bladder guy, he he got too big for his own shoes. Payoffs and all that crap. Oh my on. God, the parties and the corruptness was incredible within that. Yeah. Well, I hope they clean it up. Well, I think they football seem to have. Deserve, deserve, deserve better. The nice thing about football is it's all you got to do is buy the ball. That's why I played. But in Brazil, anywhere, kids can play soccer and it's, they don't have to go home and ask their parents for 500 bucks a season to, to play it, right? Yes. You yeah. just buy a ball and kick it around or you find a ball. Well, that's probably why it's been adopted so well over the world. Yeah. Everybody. Not everybody gets a chance to play hockey. It's a sport for everybody. Yeah. What, you got anything else? Are we 
We tapped out. Um, what else is going on? Someone is asking on Instagram about tips for coins. Didn't we get that question from Ethereum King before? No, this is another one. It is another one. Okay, all right. Hang on. (laughs) Got to give Ethereum King a shout out because he always comments on our Patreon. So it's from Cutting the Mustard podcast. Okay. And they asked, what's the best non-mainstream crypto to invest in? Non-mainstream crypto. Yikes. How how about we'll give you our opinion? Well, I think right now the market share of Bitcoin as a percentage of all crypto is at 48%, which is very substantial, which means that most other cryptos aren't doing very well at all. So I guess you could argue that it's a good time to invest in crypto because they're relatively cheap compared to Bitcoin, which you could argue is cheap. Maybe it's expensive. I don't know. It depends how you look at it. Mm -hmm. I got Jill's notebook from last week. He left it here, so we're going to look through it. Oh, let's see what (laughs) notes we have here. (laughs) We're cheating. Okay, so EOS definitely is uh, mainstream. I've pretty much given up on uh, non-mainstream crypto. Yeah, non-mainstream cryptos. I got burnt by so many. I'm not really sure. I'm, I just haven't even looked at many lately. I guess at the end of the day, you got to look at one that you think has fundamentals that will last and will not be usurped by other companies or other coins. And further to that, need to be on a decentralized blockchain. Other than that, as far as the best ones go, it's, it's a shot in the dark, really. We're looking at a couple. They're uh, Deedcoin, I think, was one. Right. I mean, Deedcoin kind of struck my interest I guess because basically puts your ownership of a property on the blockchain uh, decentralized not hackable depending on what country you live in that is a greater or that could be a problematic significantly or maybe not as significantly in, in certain other countries here if you buy a house basically the legal side of it is all pretty clear mm-hmm. although look at other countries and on the, some of the warnings are you need to make sure that you talk to a reputable lawyer or else get burnt. Taxes. Something like Deedcoin has some merit from a top-down bird's-eye view. I don't know anything about the details of the coin design. Market cap. Yeah, as has been the history in crypto coins. you got to research them pretty deeply because there's there's been quite a few coins that were created really just the owner to make a coin. $50 million and just Call myself a CEO and yeah. Do I believe there are good value out there for investments in up-and-coming coins that aren't really well-known? Sure. Mm-hmm. Have I spent the time to really look yeah. and look for that diamond? I wouldn't say it's a needle in a haystack, but it's kind of getting that. Well, there's level. over 3,000 of them. But you there's know. a smell test, right? I mean, you can basically sure. look at the prospectus of these coins quite quickly. You just go through them. If it doesn't make sense, if they're having a problem arguing why they need to be on a decentralized system. Probably not going to last. Yeah, right? Yeah. If it's not needed. Yeah. <laughs> the other side of it is how big is the market? It's not just about creating a coin. You have to create a need for your coin. Yeah. If, say, 100 people have a certain need for something, right? So you make a coin around it. Well, how big is your coin going to get? <laughs> not very, because only 100 people are going to be wanting to use it, right? If it appeals to billions, it's a different story. You have to justify its existence on a decentralized centralized blockchain which is difficult and expensive to create and maintain. I do like some of the media concepts 
with some of the YouTube competitors delivering a much better payout structure to content creators. Um, I think Steemit is also in there. It's kind of like a blog. You okay. write stories and there's money kind of... All right. Things like that, right? If you have something valuable to say, then it can be assessed by the community and you will make money sure. from saying it. These are hard starters though, right? Because you have to create a critical mass when it comes to marketing and enough people have to kind of catch on to it. And if you don't have critical mass, then you have to have a structure set up in that it continually grows without the need to pour massive amounts of money into advertising. We've talked about so this it, before. It has yeah. to grow organically. And if it doesn't, it then it dies, right? If you're not yes. if you're not growing, you're dying. All those considerations and more, but that's a good start assessing new crypto prospectuses. I haven't looked that deeply, but from what I saw, I just threw up Deedcoin because it's the one I remember in a list of about 10 I looked at. There's a couple other ones that seem to kind of warrant further investigation on my part. I just haven't done that task. However, I do believe that it's risky. I think there is risk in Bitcoin, but there's a lot less risk in Bitcoin than other cryptos. Maybe other than Ethereum, I would say. Right. Bitcoin and Ethereum, two mainstays. There's still a chance they go to zero. I think if you're going to make bets on something getting somewhere, those two have a much better chance. And the new ICOs, watch out, right? Because the SEC start to look in deeper and crack down. And I think John McAfee mentioned it not too long ago, warning some of these new ICOs out there. Expect the SEC to be looking into what you're doing and perhaps creating a, a bureaucratic layer of compliance that maybe you weren't expecting, which means that, you know, you'll need more staff, more time. Your roadmap and your goals may not be met in the time you're expecting. It all goes from there. So everybody wants to find the new thing, right? And I understand wanting to find the new thing. And we do appreciate the question. We're about getting on Bitcoin and staying with Bitcoin. We believe Bitcoin is it's going to go down a little bit more and it's going to go up a little bit more and it might do the same thing again. But <laughs> because there are over 3,000 different cryptos. I own some EOS. I own a little Ethereum. Do you? A little bit. Not much. Very little. I own probably about 10 or 12 other coins. I got a little light coin. Yeah, but I don't really even look at the price. I just right. leave it. Do yeah, but mean? the other side of Bitcoin is I know Bitcoin programmers are highly competent and capable. When it comes to new coins, who's who's the programmers? Are they invested? Anybody who's worth their weight in gold is already working for Bitcoin or want to work for Bitcoin. When you come up with a new coin, I mean, you have to also look at the programming talent. There's just a lot of things to look into and you have to research search it well or or maybe not and you just take a chance i don't know depending mm-hmm. on how much money you want to invest if it's an insignificant amount to you then shoot a dart at the board <laughs> well that's what it is sure so i heard something happened to your uh buddy john mcafee there this week my buddy john mcafee well i'm only calling your buddy because you brought him up a couple times in the pod- well, I podcast like, he's a really interesting character yeah right? i know oh, i shouldn't say your buddy yes was he, he poisoned when i hear that he yeah he's claiming he's been poisoned Oh, uh, does he happen to know who or have an idea who it was who poisoned him? Well, I think so, because he mentioned it on his Twitter, right? I'm sorry, who did he say it was? Well, he didn't say who it was. He just says, I know who you are. And, oh. Uh, so, I don't know. Because John McAfee went went quiet for three days. The one thing I'll say about John McAfee, <laughs> I think he's quite a smart guy. 
But I also think he's very eccentric and he's never boring. That's, sure, that's all right. Those aren't yeah, horrible, those those are, aren't those horrible qualities. Sure. Some people hate him. Hate him so much saying he's doing bad things for Bitcoin. And hey, you know what? He pumped a lot of bad ICOs, like bad crypto. Right. Oh, and I think a lot of people just really got fed up with that kind of crap. You have to kind of see the guy for who he is. And oh, they're paying him a lot of money to pump these ICOs. So he's not a young guy. John McAfee's 72 years old. Yeah, still going, still firing away. I think that's, you know, I think that's how old Trump is. He's just turned 72, yeah. Trump, yeah? Yeah. There you go. I guess it's the year of the 72-year-olds. Last week. Anyways, I think we're done tonight. Okay, well, I'd like to say on behalf of Libby and myself and Darren, of course, who was sitting here with me, thanks for coming out tonight and hope you all have a great weekend. And for those of you around this area, happy Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, everybody. All right, have a good night. Adios. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin.